delivering high-quality, technology-centric podcasts around the world. This is MunchTech.tv, taking a bite out of technology. Hello, welcome to episode 509 of The Two Techies for Saturday, June 20th, 2020. This is the show where we talk about the week's most notable technology stories in round an hour or less with Aaron Fisher and myself, Jimmy Bunting. We come together once a week to discuss, debate, converse, scrutinize and explore the world of tech. On this week's episode, WWDC, it may be remote, but it could bring some significant changes. And Sonos and Google tick on each other in the courtroom. As always, you're very welcome to episode 509. Well, you're not always very welcome to episode 509, but you're always welcome to the show. This is the only week when you'll be welcome to 509, because next week it's 510. And last time, it wasn't last week, nearly caught myself out there. Last time it was 508. And I'm so glad you told me this, Aaron, because pre-show you you confirmed that, you know, when I asked to, to confirm the episode number, you told me that, wait, what did you tell me? I can't even remember. That 509 is the one that's after 508, but it is, and this might blow your mind. I hope you're sitting down. I'm, I'm sitting down. It's the one before 510. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You ask for a simple confirmation. Is this 509? It's 509, right? And you get a smart answer in response. I just, yeah. Come on. You've known me long enough. You knew it was coming. <laughs> yeah. Ten and a half years of doing this show. I should know what to expect. June 20th. What is special about June 20th? And no, it's not because it's three days before your birthday, because no one cares about that. What's special about today? Longest day of the year? That's it. Well, is it, if we really want to get into the technicalities and the nitty gritties, is it really the longest day in the year? Or is it the day with the longest amount of daylight? Touché. Played you at your own game, Aaron. Wait a minute, it was your game. game. You're the one who asked the question. (laughs) No, but I asked, I might have asked both questions. Yeah, you're right. Okay, fair enough. Uh You played me at my own game at playing you at your own game. Hmm. It's getting a lot of compli- getting complicated. Getting a lot of complications here. Um so yes, longest daylight hours and so on and so forth. All downhill from here. If you enjoy longer days that is. Which I do. Or in uh, my world, it's all uphill from here. Ugh, no. Weird. You're just weird. Summer is the worst. Heat is the worst. No, Winter is the no. best. Rain, snow, cold, frost are all the best and far superior no, no, to summer no. in every way, shape or form. This week it's meant to be like I know so many people in other countries are going to laugh at us, but it's meant to be like 30 degrees for, for most of the week this week. And I'm just not looking forward to that. This country just, we're not set up for the uh, for the warm temperatures. That's why we complain so much. And we get some lovely humidity to go along with it. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm on the other side. I would love the, the forecast for the next week to be, I would say positive, but positive for you is not warm, but warm for me is positive. So I'll say, say positive in the fact of heat, sun, blue skies. But unfortunately, the forecast shows anything but that at the minute, which means that getting out on the bike, which is what I've been, tra- been trying to do, is it's not going to be impossible, but it's going to be 
miserable. But in a in a country that just isn't set up for air conditioning and you're not on holiday, like sun, sea, sand, blue skies, whatever, when you're on holiday is fantastic. Mm. When you're at home in a country not built for air conditioning, in the situation that we're all in at the moment, and it's 30 degrees outside with the humidity to go with it, exercising is just miserable. Going outside generally is just miserable. Doing anything is pretty miserable because <laughs> you can't escape the heat. It's hot in the house. It's hot wherever you go. Literally, the only escape is basically a car. Um, yeah, it's just, it's not fun. If anyone needed cheered up, thanks, Aaron. You've done it. I'm the motivational speaker you needed or you didn't know you needed. <laughs> It's doing the opposite effect. Bah, doom and gloom. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, what may not be doom and gloom is WWDC, which starts on Monday, 22nd, ends on Friday the 26th. This time next week, it will all be over and we will be able to talk about what actually happened as opposed to what we think might happen. However, in saying that, in recent years, uh, in fact, throughout the entirety of this show's history, the last 10 and a half years, I really, what, not we personally, but what the the community of technology enthusiasts and reporters and journalists and so on come up with is normally pretty accurate. The leaks are pretty accurate. And if anything, they've gotten more accurate as time has went on. Apple have been less secretive. And I don't know if that's intentional or if that is because they have a bigger company, a big, you know, a growing company, more people, more potentialities for things escaping through. But either way, we kind of already knew what's going to happen at WWD. Dub, dub, DC, as you like to call it, Aaron. Dub, dub. Good old dub, dub. Dub, dub. Although, in saying that, reading through the week, obviously we'll get onto it later on the show, but iPhone OS could be something. Getting rid of iOS, which is a complete 180 on what Apple had before with iOS, and the ecosystem that powered the iPad and the iPhone, and to some extent, iPod. And now what Apple have done, and again, we'll talk about it later, but it's, it's interesting. They've changed their mind. They don't want the two devices to be like each other anymore because there are stark differences between them, rightly so. But before, no, they wanted a complete integrated system which just worked the same as each other. So they are trying to disseminate between their devices. They're trying to change them up a bit and give them their own identity. I think that's welcomed and we'll talk about it later on in the show. Something else to do with the date, Aaron, you, you may or may not remember this time last year we were doing the show in person. And I'm sad again. Didn't even have to keep a two meter distance. The good old days. Crazy. It's a weird old time out there at the moment, isn't it? I know we've been venturing out more and more and I know they're talking about um, in the coming week or so relaxing that two meter um, distance rule. But And I know this has been spoken to death. We've, we've spoken about it, but they're just, I think you put it perfectly, it's um, we, we were out the weekend and just didn't actually leave the car or anything, just just took a dander around around a shopping complex, you, you know the one I'm talking about, mm. um, and just short, saw the sheer number of people that were out and about and I appreciate the weather's been pretty nice and I, I appreciate the shops are open but that two metre distancing is still in place until they say otherwise um, I think some people need their, like a, a, a brain check on what two metres actually looks like because to me it looked a lot more like two feet for a lot of people <laughs> um it was just scary the number of people that are out, out and about um actually waiting in line and going into stores and trying to get in um scary the amount of people not wearing masks when in that kind of kind of situation um i can appreciate maybe the excuse of not wearing a mask if you're literally going near no one um you know walking the dog in the early hours of the morning in the middle of the field um 
maybe you know more of an excuse for not wearing one but actually going to interact with with shop assistants and whatnot it's just it's tricky it's just it's a shame um we were kind of doing so well at one point to now have we we get a little bit of relaxation and we just seem to take so much of it for like verbatim and for, for granted that oh it's over now it's disappeared um, we can go back to how life was before it's just mm. it's crazy it is, and and this whole period has brought a lot of uncertainty. Not not, and, and this is outside of technology. This is just life in general, and the uncertainty has sparked so many responses and so many reactions from every single individual because everyone handles things slightly differently. And so, how you have managed this whole scenario, we'll call it, is different in some ways to how I have, and vice versa. And it's very similar in other ways because I know you and I are very similar in certain aspects. And 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 the same applies for everyone. In the world right now, I guess, in different countries who are going through different stages. And it is that uncertainty which I think unsettles people, at least certain people, because there's no real answer. When? How? Why? When will it get better? How will it get better? But I think the best part to take away from it, and the thing is to remind yourself over and over, is it will. Things will get better. Things will improve. And and yes, there is a lot of uncertainty still, but we're, we're getting through it. And in in my eyes anyway, and I, I think you'd agree, you need to make the best of a bad situation. You need to work with it and, and, and use it to your advantage because otherwise it's just not going to work. And it well, it will work, but you, you, you know, you could get a better result from it. So to juxtapose Aaron's failed attempt at a motivational speech at the start of the show, that's my motivational push for this week. It will get better. Yeah, it's uncertain, but that's fine. Roll with it. See what happens. Should we go to the quick news or have we really taken a, a, a new sort of leaf here? We just talk about medical because we're perfectly qualified to talk about uh, medical situations now. No, I, I think we should go to the quick news. <laughs> At least 28 and very likely as many as 79 Netgear Home Wi-Fi router models are vulnerable to attack, both locally and possibly even over the internet. That's according to a new report by Arlington, Virginia-based cybersecurity firm Grimm, and Vietnamese security firm VNPTISC. They both independently found the same flaw. The problem, as is so often the case with home Wi-Fi routers, lies in the web server built into the router's firmware. The web server runs the web-based administrative interface that router owners log into with their administrative passwords. Both researchers discovered that they could use a specific text string on two different models to put the routers into update mode, bypassing the login process for the Netgear administrative interface. From there, an input that was too long would trigger a buffer overflow, a very basic type of attack, that would give the attacker full power over the router and to be able to run their own code on it. Adobe plans to prompt users to ask them to uninstall Flash Player from their computers by the end of the year when the software is scheduled to reach end of life. On December 31st, 2020, the move was announced in a new Flash Player EOL support page that Adobe published earlier this month, six months before the EOL date itself. Adobe says that once Flash has reached the EOL date, the company doesn't merely plan to stop providing updates, but they also plan to remove all Flash Player download links from their website too. This will prevent users from installing the software and continuing to use an unmaintained version. Furthermore, Adobe has also said that Flash-based content will be blocked from running an Adobe Flash player after the EOL date, suggesting the company has added or plans to add a so-called time bomb in the Flash player code to prevent users from using it starting next year. 
in a U-turn by the popular video conferencing platform Zoom this week announced they will make end-to-end -end encryption available to all users both paid and unpaid. End-to-end -end encryption ensures no one but the participants and the devices can see and hear what is happening in a meeting, although it will exclude people who call into Zoom meetings from a telephone line. Zoom originally said its initial decision to offer full encryption to premium users only had been based on a combination of technological, safety, and business factors. However, in this case, it appears as though public pressure won out and led the company to reconsider. And finally, Google's quote, don't be evil slogan may have come back to bite it as it hungers down for a patent slagging match with its technology partner, Gonsar, Sonos. Google has just escalated an already simmering dispute by filing a lawsuit accusing the American audio company of infringing five of Google's patents. Google says that Sonos was caught using, quote, substantial volumes of its patented technology without permission on its controller apps and the Sonos radio service. Google's move appears to have come as a carefully calculated tit-for-tat in response to a lawsuit launched by Sonos earlier this year. In that one, Sonos accused Google of infringing five of its own patents, filing complaints in a federal court in Los Angeles before the US International Trade Commission in Washington. Both sides have now gone full macho, with Google accusing Sonos of false claims over the two companies' collaborations in the hot smart speaker market and Sonos chief executive Patrick Spence signaling, quote, bring it on, saying he looks forward to winning both cases. Anyone who has Netgear Ritter, yeah, just go and check. Get to go, go and check. 28 and very likely as many as 79 models. Wow. Which I think is like all of them. <laughs> um, most, most of them. Netgear did release a patch this week and it was a patch for, wait for it, two of them. Brilliant. So just 77 more to go there. <laughs> it's unlikely the people who have Netgear will have those two, right? I mean... That's how it works. Two things. One, this kind of attack, um, as the article kind of highlighted, a super basic attack. It's one of the things that, or probably one of the most common attacks that routers seem to fall foul of. Um, routers have all this fancy encryption software and security features, but accessing or brute forcing or however you want to get past the administrative login interface. So when you go to your router in your network and it goes, what's the router admin uh, username or password? Often, if you have a like an ISP supplied one, it'll be the, the one written on the side of the device itself. Where you enter that is basically where all these attacks seem to happen. And they seem to be able to skip straight through that, which is super worrying. And how many people actually are aware that they can update their router or that they should update their router? I'm not aware if Netgear do auto updating. I'd be surprised if they do. So, I don't think they do. So with this you know, release of a patch, how many people are actually going to go in and update this? Like, this is us reading the tech news, the, the tech people. Um, people are going to see this type of article or see this type of thing or be looking at the Netgear name or even know what it means. Other type of people who are at least semi-technically inclined. For 99.99% of Netgear router users, this is going to completely fly under the radar, which is good for Netgear, obviously. Um, but I think bad for the general security things. Routers or general home networking and, and home routers at the consumer level has been such a kind of target for attacks over the past decade, two decades, three decades. Like it, it's just one of the most common points of entry. Like if you get a home router of any kind, whether you set it up or whether it's an ISP supplied one, just please change the password.
password. So many of them, and this goes for so many things to be fair, but so many of them still come with admin admin or root root or some kind of, of simple combination like that. Just It takes five minutes. Go in and change it. Even if it's something memorable to you. I know we go on about password security and, and how it shouldn't necessarily be memorable or whatever, but just anything is better than admin admin. Talking about the actual update itself, for my recollection, Netgear's interface is habitually horrible. It's like something out of Windows 2000. It's horrible to use, difficult to interpret, and on top of that, when you do use it, you do interpret correctly, it doesn't actually work intuitively either. At least that's on the older devices, and I say older, I mean five, six years ago. Not sure what way they work now, but can't be assured that it would be much better. I wouldn't be given much confidence in it. And that's the thing. Most people will not realize this. Is is it a huge problem in terms of scale? Yes. In terms of looking at the nitty gritty in your own home, mm, I'm going to say something you may disagree with, Aaron. Probably not. But you still don't want it there. It's not, not good in any way because well, if someone were to come along and exploit it, then it's there and, and they know ju- about it. And it's very easy to exploit. Just to combat that slightly, I don't think this is something we can just go, don't worry about it because this is an... Uh, this no, is exactly yeah. this is an attack that can be used over the internet, which means it can be automated. Someone doesn't yeah. need to be near your house, have access to it, or anything like that. This will just be a bot that will go through just absolutely hammering IP address ranges. Because yeah. don't forget, your IP address is accessible via the web. Yeah, it's um, not local. Your home has an IP address more than likely, um, and there will just be something going through automatically, just scanning millions and millions of these. So I would go it's not much to worry about because it this will be an or this will be used as an automated attack um and you could very well become the victim completely unintentionally of this type of thing um so if you can you know how to log into your netgear router log into any router you have and check it if it has updates i'm fully with you i think the only interface for router that i haven't hated is the ubiquity stuff and that is not consumer friendly or not consumer grade sorry mm. any netgear it's not funny the one that's not being used by the consumer, it's probably, it's in a business context and it's not difficult to set up. Whereas the consumer grid products, you need a degree in network management. Brilliant. You also need to be using Internet Explorer 5 from about 20 years ago to support <laughs> half the stuff they want. It's ridiculous, yeah. those interfaces. Yeah. You were saying, sorry, I, I interrupted. Oh no, that was it. Just, I don't think we should play this down as a, it, it's not much to worry about or don't worry about becoming a target because I don't think anyone's going to target you specifically. But um, like I say, this will just, everything becomes part of an automated attack. Um, for anyone who's ever, let's say, had a WordPress website, and if you've installed something like WordFence that alerts you to attacks or to brute force login attempts, you get hundreds of those a day. Um, it's not someone personally attacking your website, it's just you've become part of it. You know, you're on an automated bot's radar somewhere and it's just going to keep trying. Um, that's all this will become part of. Lots of Netgear routers will probably be compromised as such, which is not a good thing. Touche. While we're on security, actually, something I did mean to bring up, I got a notification a while ago that a password of mine of mine had been leaked on the dark web by dark web monitoring software, which is built into... Um, package I use for credit rating and so on. And it basically said, you know, this this application that your email is linked to has had a security breach and as a result your password was stored in plain text and was leaked. 
first off, brilliant. Thanks to the company for that. But second off, I well, it wasn't a problem because the password in question wasn't in use anymore. I routinely change passwords. They're all different, so on and so forth. So there's no issue. Didn't bother me. Wasn't so worried. But I did get an email through the week. Went into my junk box, actually. And, <laughs> hey, I infected your computer. One of your passwords is... It gives me the password. Right? Question mark, exclamation mark, smiley face. Read the attachment for more information. But please don't flip out. You still got the chance to save your ass. Well, there's no attachment, so I can't read it. And it was sent again. It was sent twice. Obviously not by a person behind a computer. It was obviously a robot. or a bot. But great. Yeah, that's fine. Go for it. Oh, the subject is I recorded you. So that's what I've still got the chance to see. Save my ass. Hmm. Interesting. So, let moral of the story, number one, change your passwords very regularly. Number two, if you can, employ the use of dark web monitoring. Try and keep you aware of whether or not your, your passwords have been leaked online. And even if they have or haven't, just change them every so often because we really just, we cannot trust companies to keep our data safe. It is just, we can't. While we should, I'm not saying it's excusable and I'm not saying that, ah, well, it doesn't matter. But it's, it's just the attitude we have to have. They're not going to keep it safe. Uh, regardless of size, what data they've got, just just believe they're going to leak it at some point by accident. Of course, I'm not going to go out and just you know nilly willy shout here's X Y Z password, but it it's just yeah funny nonetheless. I'd be interested to see what what recordings we've got, but I, more uh, so to the point, the, the moral of the story: there aren't any recordings. They have a password, and and what what the the goal is here that if if someone says oh it he has my password or she has my password then you think well if they have my password they must have everything else no they've just got your password from a leak so do yourself a favor make sure you you, you keep your passwords different you constantly routinely change them and go a step further use dark web monitoring um software or packages and as a result it will you know look for for services that have had leaks it will also look on on different databases and so on to see if your email and hence password is available i think where um, it shouldn't be both have i been pwned.com and i think firefox has a they both have free um data breach protection stuff or alerts whatever you want to call it um one thing is i get those emails like every week it feels like they turn up in the spam filter and two if if anyone does ever get one with an attachment, and this goes for any spam email, for the love of God, don't open the attachment. <laughs> don't, open don't try and open it. Don't click it. Don't download it. Don't anything because it probably contains malware of some kind. So if, if they didn't have your password, they probably do now. So um, <laughs> just even if it's like, even if you go, oh, that's obviously spam. Let's let's see where this link goes. Don't click on the links. Don't don't even open the email if you can because if that has a tracking pixel in it, then they know that you've opened that email. Welcome to how to get lots more spam. <laughs> Don't click on any links in it because again, anything opening in your browser, cookies are like one of the least secure things, but just mm. so common. Like even if you think it's fine opening it in private mode or whatever, it's like, it's really not. Um, and attachment, just don't do anything with them. Um, if something if something ends up in your spam filter, there's a huge likelihood that your mail client will actually not download attachments without you telling it to. And it's a very good idea to leave that as not downloaded. Um, I know mail on the Mac, if something goes into the junk folder, it won't download attachments. That includes tracking pixels, any attached files, whatever. Um, don't click load remote resources. Just whatever you do. Aaron, you've saved yourself. You had a terrible motivational speech at the start of the show. Now you've had a great security talk. Bringing it back around. I'm, I'm sure I'll screw it up at some point. <laughs> Adobe Flash. Interestingly enough, I had to use Flash through the week for a an interface I was using, and it was 
all right. I mean, it, it, it worked. It did what I needed to do. I unblocked it on Chrome, used it, Bob's your uncle, and blocked it again. Interesting that they're so set on, no, nope, you're not even using it against our will. You will not be using it, is what do we say. I guess I really just don't want any, any comeback here from someone who says, in 10 years' time, well, I'm using Flash, and that's why my computer got a virus and hence my identity was stolen. They just don't want any repercussions at all. You will not use it. It will self-destruct. <laughs> it's basically what they've said. If is they... this right? Is, is this is this the right thing? To do? I mean, Flash has been coming to the end of its life for many, many, many years. But unfortunately, some software platforms just haven't seemed to have caught on to the legacy. Most have, but there are the few that, that haven't. Are there any elements, Aaron, that the Flash run that HTML5 or, or subsequent and similar platforms can't? Surely you would have thought they it's, were all pretty cross-transferable. It's the other way around now. Flash is so yeah. far out of date that HTML, JavaScript, whatever, have long, long, long since overtaken Flash mm. in everything. Um, I know a lot of sites held on to Flash for a long time because it had, I think it had better support for locking content down, so like DRM on videos and stuff. Yeah. Um, I think the only time I've ever been screwed over by a website still using Flash is I think if you go to Channel 4 On Demand, their website, so if you go, if you try and watch 4OD um, in this country, I think their website will still shout at you for not using or having Flash installed. Mm. And it's like, I haven't installed Flash on a computer in probably 10 years. Um, I know it did come bundled with Chrome for a while. I don't even think that happens anymore. Um, like Flash has been dead for a decade um, yeah. in terms of the web. I think as soon as the likes of YouTube switched over from Flash, and that was 10 years ago, probably uh, yeah, even, around that, yeah. not even more, um, Flash, you know, ha- has been a, a long time coming. I think Adobe have tried to kill it off several times, but this is, they've, they've drawn the date in, in the sand and they've said, you will not use it. I like mm-hmm. the idea that... Um, they're not just end of lifeing it. They're not just saying, oh, we won't update it. They're actually saying, no, we're going to stop everything working because a uh, flash is forever being updated because of security issues. It's still getting updated yeah. every month at the moment in 2020, six months before it before it dies um, for security updates. I think you're 100% right. I just don't think Adobe wants to deal with that. I mean, look at what Microsoft have had to deal with uh, with Internet Explorer over the years. Microsoft have long since ended support for Internet Explorer, especially like IE 10 and 11, which are the latest versions. Um, but yet they still have to deal with the companies that just haven't switched over to Edge or to Chrome or to literally anything. Like printing out a web page and getting it mailed to you is a better experience than using Internet Explorer. But some people still insist on it. You can tell I'm bitter. Um, no, not at all. But because they didn't really, they kind of not half asked it, but they didn't really do anything about it. They didn't force anyone to upgrade. They just like put notifications notifications and prompts and whatnot um, and then they tried to hide internet explorer but if you search for it in windows 10 you could still find it um because for a long time in edge i don't know if it's still the the same way but if you click to the little menu at the top there was an open in, in internet explorer button which is just like it's such a half-assed end of life um, i'm really glad to see adobe just like drawing the line and being like no val shall not pass the problem is habitually humans we as human beings are lazy and if you get a notification to say, please don't use Flash anymore, or Flash is coming to the end of its life, well, probably just ignore it. 14 days left until Flash end of life. Yeah, we'll still ignore it. Seven days, six, five, four, three, two, one. Uh, <clears throat> Flash end of life was six years ago, still using it. <laughs> you know, so I, 
the only way to to really get around the problem is as adobe have seemingly detected just stop it from working and yeah flash was heavily relied on many years ago and it was a problem because converting and, and changing everything over to different platforms different technologies it took time but that time has been and gone for quite some time so it's i think it's probably at, at the point now where the technology is rendered far more inefficient and unsafe unusable to some extent but ironically enough i used something just the other day that required it <laughs> there you go what does that say zoom must be listening to the show actually because we debated this last week about how it really shouldn't have been the case oh you pay for encryption and and their their logic and reasoning just was not did not ring true at all so they've turned around they've said it will be for all users and then encryption as it should have been from the first instance and then google and sonos so essentially google have five patterns which sonos say they used or sorry sonos have five patterns which they say Google used, and vice versa. Both cases have five patents. Sonos seem pretty confident that they're going to win it, win both cases. But Google have sort of retaliated in saying, well, you're suing us, so we'll sue you because you used our patents as well. Hmm. I absolutely love the CEO of Sonos being like, yeah, we look forward to winning both of these cases. Like, I love that kind of, like, go get them attitude, especially mm. against a company the size of Google. This These patents do sound like a load of BS. Um, we don't know exactly what they're for, I don't believe, but judging from it, um, especially when they say in the controller apps and Sonos radio service, this sounds like a classic case of someone patented something that really shouldn't be patented. Mm. Like, you know, the, the patent stuff that's utter BS. Um, a lot of these big companies, I think Google have actually tried to deliberately point it out. Google aren't a company that's known for getting into patent spats with other companies. Like you rarely hear these days that Google are going after someone. Um, but obviously, Sonos kind of fired the first uh, first shot here, so it kind of makes sense that Google are, I think, drawing a bit of a line in the sand and um, putting their foot down. Um, I fully expected Sonos. Um, I have a Sonos One, um, and when you set up a Sonos One speaker, you can select whether you want Amazon or Google Assistant. Um, I selected Google in mine. It worked fine. I've had no issues with it. I fully expected. I read the story earlier in the week, and I was like, well, I give it 24 hours for this assistant to carry on working. Uh, before Google suddenly decided there is a technical issue that means they no longer work on Sonos. Um, It's still working, which I find amazing. I assume there's a contract in place, otherwise Google definitely would have uh, cancelled that by now. It's kind of counterintuitive and counterproductive in this sense, and as you said, Google don't normally get caught up, at least in the first instance, in trying to chase after patents. Clearly Sonos think they have a case. We'll follow it, we'll report on it, we'll see what what happens, and, and more importantly, whether Sonos come out from both. More interestingly, this week, WWDC, 22nd to 26th of June, and and I think really, yeah, it's remote, and it's the first time that Apple have done anything like this, sort of for WWDC, you really try, try saying it 10 times fast. But from what I can see, my prediction here is that they are trying to continue to diversify the iPhone and iPad away from each other. What I mean by that is when the iPad first came out, it ran a very similar, if not a completely exact operating system to the iPhone. And the, the question was, well, what's different? It's just a large iPhone. And Apple were very quick to say, well, it's not, it's a tablet, but there's no there's no 
pencil, there's no stylus. Your finger is the stylus. And that was Apple's stance. So we had a big iPhone, we had an iPhone, and we had a laptop. They were the product categories. And through the years, then Apple reneged. They then brought out the stylus, the Apple Pencil, the pencil for the iPad. And that made it more, more of a creation device in the fact that architects, artists, planners, anyone who wanted to write or take notes on the iPad bought the Apple Pencil and then used it with it. And slowly but surely, the iPad has has sort of gained an identity of its own and has become not quite a fully-fledged notebook as such, but it's not far off it, especially the iPad Pro. So the question now is, the iPad is actually closer to the MacBook line than it is the iPhone line. So it makes sense. It 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 got its own operating system last year with iPad OS. Is it the iPhone's turn now? iOS used to be the amalgamation of the iPad and the iPhone and the iPod. Now it's kind of just the iPhone running it. So it makes sense to give it its own identity, right? A hundred percent. I mean, exactly as you say, when you consider that watch OS is its own thing, TV OS is its own, you know, even the Apple TV gets its own OS. iPad OS, you're right. It's the iPod Touch and the iPhone are running iOS. I assume it will be, I mean, because the iPod the iPod Touch still exists. Let's not, let's not forget that little guy. Um, it still gets updated every so often as well. Um, will it be iPod OS and iPhone OS or just iOS and iPhone OS? Um, it'll be super interesting to see. I think as well, just to continue your point on the iPad kind of getting closer to the Mac than it is to the iPhone, that was made, you know, even more true this year with the Magic Keyboard, uh, Magic Trackpad Keyboard, whatever they call it, uh, release with the iPad and obviously iPad OS gaining support for trackpads. You can Bluetooth connect any trackpad um, or any Apple trackpad, I think. Uh, maybe in some Logitech ones, I'm not sure. I think you can connect mice to it as well, and they kind of fall under the same kind of support. Um, so the iPad is, like, as you say, it, it, you know, it's a few changes away from being a Mac replacement for many, many people. Um, the iPad needs to get better in ways that we have documented in, oh, so many times over the years um, to even think about competing with the Mac. There's like that final kind of few things now that needs to change. Having mouse support or, or trackpad support is a huge deal now. Um, if it could just get a decent file system, the Files app was a good start, but it is by no means perfect. It has so many issues when you try and use it as, uh, in the real world. Um, the integrations have just been clunky. Um, things like copying and pasting files, like Apple have added support for multiple windows, um, but like copying and pasting files between those windows, you lack basic things often. Um, sometimes you seem to get an indicator of how long something's going to take. I think if you're connected to another service or a server, then like you'll get no progress indicator and it's just weird. Like that integration just needs to be like tip top, made more like Finder on the Mac. Um, not saying it needs to look like Finder, but the, the details need to be there. And that's kind of a big thing for this year. I know we've talked about this before is details. That's what Apple need to focus on this year. It's what seemed to be lacking from Catalina and iOS 13 and iPadOS 13 is just details. We got new features and that was cool and all, but there were just like little things that either weren't consistent or didn't make sense or didn't work. Um, I don't think my iMac has kernel panicked more times in its life than it has in the past year. Um, I can be guaranteed at least once a week 
I'll be woken up in the middle of the night as the Mac, like bright screen, loud, you know, <laughs> bong as it crashes and restarts in its sleep. Um, maybe I need to reinstall Mac OS. I don't know, but it's a, it's a Catalina on problem. Um, speaking of the iMac, actually, one of the big things I am potentially excited for tomorrow, or sorry, Monday, is um, God, wishing the week away already. Is a redesigned iMac. This has been a rumor that's been bubbling for, for like 12, 18, 24 months. It's been a while. The iMac has generally looked the same. If you, if you take even the white iMac, um, kind of post iMac G4, so the G5, it's looked the same for some time. The whole kind of a, the all-in-one with a chin type design. Um, ever since post G4, it's looked the same. This might be the first time in like 15 years we get a redesign. Do um, you think Do you think it needs a severe overhaul? I don't think it needs a severe overhaul at all. I think the redesign we're talking about is they'll get rid of the chin, they'll reduce the bezel around the outside so it'll basically look like you're looking at a screen and that's mm, it. Um, which is nice. Um, there's a couple of things that have always bothered me about these new iMacs. Um, um, actually, all of them pretty much. Um, the ports, I hate the fact that some of the ports are on the back. Like an SD card is just not useful when you have to try and lean over your desk and fumble around on the back to try and find it. <laughs> I wonder I wonder how many hours of productivity productivity over the last, I don't know, 10, 10, 11, 12 years I have wasted in trying to locate the ports in the back of the iMac. It's so, that's, that's it's so, so dumb, isn't it? But it's, it's yeah. been that way for such a long it, time. It's form over function, but I think it's a trade-off because I would much rather they were at the back than stupidly located somewhere else. I, I get it, but... Thing is, I, think, I don't think it needs to be on the front. Like, the side was a perfectly acceptable place to have an SD card it, slot. Actually, it was, was it ever on the side? It, it, it used to be, yeah. Uh, beside or just under the CD port, but then when they, because the the one the iMac I had before the current one, which obviously has the thin bezel, bet bezel. I can I really cannot talk today. Bezel, bezel, bezel. The the one that has the the thicker bezel around the side had the CD slot and then the SD card slot underneath. So they just took the CD slot away so they could emboss the the case or concave the case. Sorry, convex the cave, concave, convex, convex the case. Okay, you get the point. And they put it in the back. I just it was fine. It, it's not. I just hate every time I have to use it. I curse Johnny Ive. Um, <laughs> Just he's. I'm sure he's worried. Oh, you're hundred percent. He's definitely listening. But um, <laughs> it's just stupid design decisions like that that have always just blown my mind. Um, I mean, I doubt that's going to change, especially for getting rid of the bezel altogether and not having a chin. Then there really isn't anywhere to put it. But it's just fumbling around to plug USB into the back of or, or your headphones or whatever. It's like I plug my headphones when doing the show instead of into the back of the iMac. I plug them into my speakers because they have a three and a half mil jack on the front that I can just get at really easily you know trying to clamber around the back of the desk and, and unplug something and plug it in like the iMac is just there's some questionable decisions in that thing but on the positive I am looking forward to it getting some attention aside from the iMac Pro it's felt a little kind of left behind for a while um, aside from getting the 5k upgrade um, I think since your iMac you you and me have got what like 2012 2013 something like that which is like the first year of the thin bezel design that was the last upgrade and that was you know seven or eight years ago um i love my mac it's a fantastic machine i would more than yeah, if this one broke down i would go out tomorrow and get another one like it's it's been that good to me it, it's that value we're talking our machines are almost you know we, we're gonna 
in the next couple of years, we're both going to hit that decade mark, which is super impressive. The machines are expensive, but when you break it down to the fact that even in two years, I don't think they're going to be giving up the ghost anytime soon. You know, no, to get I, ten I, years. I, 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 I do give the odd chosen word when it slows down but i think that's just a fact i haven't reinstalled the operating system for some time and i still need to ssd um, and more SSD. memory yeah 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 yeah. so it's World not really the, 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 the product's fault but yeah, absolutely the fantastic product timeless design does everything i want it to and more okay it you can't upgrade too much more inside but you don't really need to it's kind of kept with the times and for what i use it for which is really not any you know it doesn't put any strain on on what it can do it doesn't test it so absolutely it's done me well too the big things i worry about an upgrade is what i love about especially the 27 inch at the moment is you can still upgrade the ram you can still plug an external ssd you can still open it up and swap out the ssd but you can still mm, plug an external really ssd in and boot off it and i love that about the imac it's like aside from going and spending umpteen bajillion dollars on a new mac pro it's like the last expandable mac there is mm. and i i know we've got a i i just fear that with the t like the introduction of of the t2 making it thinner reducing the bezels i just fear that that's going to disappear i fear that it's be- going to become another build to order mac you have to get the amount of memory you need like one of the great things about this machine is i didn't have enough money at the time to go and buy a, a one terabyte ssd and and 32 gigs of ram no, no 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 sorry 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 i'll just stop you right there don't care who you are if you spend the money to put those parts from apple in the computer you're wasting money. you're 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 wasting your money you are st- but you have no choice now you have no choice (laughs) ridiculous so the money they charge for for the storage medium for the ram it's it's robbery i'm sorry i i i will justify the price of the product because it looks nice it works well it it lasts long it's supported for a long amount of time but don't try and 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 treat me like an idiot and say it costs five six hundred pounds to put an ssd in it no it doesn't that's bs apple complete bs yeah and we as a tech community need to continue to every year year they do this that needs to continue to be called out the fact that mm. if you're going to take upgrade options away from us or user upgradable options away from us then you better damn price those things competitively 100 because you're right the amount apple charges it's not even like a little bit more or even double it's like two three four hundred percent of retail markup like it's insane how much they charge for this stuff stories have been coming out recently how like i think a memory upgrade on like the macbook pro or something recently like doubled in price one day apple took it from like 100 to 200 dollars or something like that it's like okay and you have no choice but to pay that if you didn't order it the day before then you're screwed you know you've just tacked on another hundred dollars to your price i will be massively disappointed if the imac comes out and is not upgradable in any way shape or form and the t2 we know limits the user replaceable parts um so opening it up maybe even booting off an external ssd becomes difficult like i just i don't like that that has me worried um also the idea that maybe bringing in a better display um i doubt it's going to get the same features as the pro display xdr that thing costs five thousand dollars apple suddenly aren't going to turn up and put that in the iMac but there's lots of 
things I fear that Apple are just going to hike the price on this. I really worry that this is going to be such a, a radical change that, and it wouldn't be unlike Apple that instead of replacing the iMac and upgrading everything at the same price it is now, that instead they keep the one that we have now and they introduce this new one at a £2,000 plus price range. That would that would disappoint me greatly. Um, if this goes up in price at all, it will be disappointing. But if Apple screw up the iMac lineup um, and introduce this at some crazy price, I will be disappointed. Um, it's hard to justify buying any Mac at the moment. Um, the Mac Mini lacks upgradability, barely gets updated. The MacBook Pro lacks any upgradability um, and is very expensive. The MacBook Air, same story. The iMac, you know, we're not going to buy a Mac Pro. Uh, well, obviously. Um, and the iMac kind of feels like that last, like clinging on to the previous world of the Mac, um, where there are at least some upgradable components and it was priced semi-competitively, especially for what you got when it came to like the 5K display. What was never acceptable is like you can still buy the iMac with the spinning hard disk um, and whatnot. That's in, that hasn't been acceptable for like five, six years. Um, but yeah, another thing that I think we're kind of interested to see is the ARM transition. Is Monday, the day Apple announced the switch away from Intel. I doubt we'll hear the words ARM uttered on stage. Um, for those of you who don't know, when Apple talk about their A-series chips, so when Apple kind of talk about the amazing functionality of the, the A12 or A13 or whatever they're up to now in the latest and greatest iPhone, that is actually an ARM chip underneath. Um, ARM are a British company as well, who's are. Um, but were, I guess at one point, I think they were owned by someone else now. But but um, it's an Apple, I think it's designed, like Apple have done a lot of design on top of it, but underneath it's an ARM instruction set, I think. Um, so I don't know if they'll utter the words ARM on stage. This may very well be a branded as an Apple uh, chipset. Um, but I think for those of us who know, it'll more than likely be a, an ARM power underneath. Um, this has been a rumor that's been, what, kicking around for three, four, five years. It's kind of felt like, is this year? Is this year? Is this the year? Um, and this year might actually be the year. Um, it seems to be an on and off rumor at the moment. Um, every day this week, it seems to be changing whether we'll hear about it on Monday, whether it will happen at all this year. Um, what Which Max it happens to would be the next question. For those of us who remember the PowerPC to Intel transition, you know, Apple laid out like a two-year roadmap at the time. It wasn't like a, they announced it in 2005 and all of a sudden everything was Intel the day after. Um, there was like a rollout over the next two years of devices slowly getting upgraded. Mac OS went through a transition. For a long time, I remember Steve Jobs saying it led a secret double life. So everything was built for both uh, Intel and PowerPC for a long time. Any internal Apple project had to be built for both. That included Mac OS and anything that ran on it. Um, obviously, the Apple ecosystem is much larger now. The support has to be much greater. Um, when they announced the transition, the Mac Mini had only just come out that year. Um, the MacBook Air was still three years away um, and things like that. Apple's lineup is a lot smaller. Um, so they have a little bit more kind of room to play with now. Um, but I'd be interested to see, does the ARM, does it turn up in a new device? Does it turn up in the iMac? Do Apple go all in all at once? I'll be, uh, I'll be fascinated to see. Uh, can I just for a minute question? Who who said a few weeks ago about ARM Mac? Who was it? Was it one of us? Me? Me? You say? Was it me? 
Uh, I've predicted one thing right in the whole of this entirety of this. Sh- well, I haven't predicted because Pred- it hasn't happened yet, has it? Predicted? It's been a rumor for like five years. <laughs> ah, yes, but but you said it wasn't happening. Did I? Well, well, no, not really. You just said you it making stuff up again? No, I just selective I, I memory. A, uh, something like that. Yes. Um, I, the only problem I see with this is cost. Apple could use this as an excuse to increase the price of what is an already very expensive product. And that worries me. Oh, 100%. Because obviously, this will mean it will be cheaper for Apple, aside from the R&D cost. But we imagine yep. not having to license a processor is cheaper. Yep. Um, I, I assume they'll be able to manufacture it for cheaper. I don't know how that works. So obviously, that means the price will go up because Apple. <laughs> Logic. Cost us less to make, let's charge more. Aside from that, they're talking about a an update to the Apple TV, which should come later this year, and also a smaller HomePod, which could support third-party streaming services, which would be quite nice. I I don't know. I don't think the HomePod that's a device I don't overly think about very much. I just don't think Apple will lead that category ever. Do you? The HomePod is just dumb because it only yeah. supports Apple Music or it only supports AirPlay and stuff like that. So it costs more and it supports less. Why would you buy one? Because Apple. We've just gone over this. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like that's one of the big reasons I chose Sonos is because it has AirPlay 2 support. Um, you could play Apple Music through it if you wanted, but it also supports Amazon Google Assistant, um, Spotify, like umpteen billion services that you can just log into. You can uh, connect it directly to uh, UPnP servers or like any, I think Plex maybe even, um, or, or certainly like any Synology kind of drive or whatever. Um, and it sounds way better than a HomePod as well. Um, a mini HomePod would interest me, um, probably only because mm. it's cheaper, but it would only interest me if Apple end their goddamn spat with Spotify. Or Spotify end it. I don't know who is to blame at this point because... I think it's Spot. Well, Spotify, but for the right reasons. I don't know, because there are a lot of watch apps. Like, this whole kind of thing has reared its head because of Spotify versus Apple on the Apple Watch. Mm. There are a lot of watch apps that have turned up recently that Apple have approved with no problem. Like, Pandora, I think, showed everything that Spotify were complaining about. Apple approved that perfectly fine. So, I don't really think uh, this is uh, Apple's problem at this point. The HomePod is a separate issue. I would like to see Apple open that up. Um, I think Spotify would be... if, If Apple allowed Spotify on the HomePod, they would sell like quadruple the amount they've already sold to date in the next week. They would fly off the shelves like hotcakes because I think people would genuinely be super interested in them. Mm. You get great Siri integration, um, you get all the handoff stuff they showed off last year, and you get a music streaming service that is actually good. Sorry, Apple Music users. <laughs> um, or a streaming music service that a lot of people have. We'll go with that. I think they would sell like crazy. And aside from that, we're going to talk about the Mac Pro very quickly before we end, but WWDC, what else are you seeing? Is there anything else in in your eyes that will shape it, pioneer it, you know, that kind of thing? Or or do you think we've really hit the nail on the head? I can't think what's going to be coming to like iOS or Mac OS, or sorry, iPhone OS, iPad OS, Watch OS, TV OS, whatever we're going to call it now. Mm. Um, That will be super revolutionary. I think that's just got to be, again, for most of us, if we come out the other side of Monday and they go, yeah, we just did some bug fixes that would be massive that would be huge for us <laughs> like mm. that's all we want at this point um anything else is a plus i think if they are going to do the arm transition then that will get a lot of 
um, conference time. It's a developer conference. This isn't something I think to be expecting crazy amounts of new hardware at, which is why I think if we're talking about a new Apple TV or whatever, then that feels that does make more sense for their, their kind of end of year event or later in the year event, I should say. Yeah. Um, an iMac, maybe you could argue that it's a developer conference thing. Um, and then, like I say, if, if they're going to do ARM, that's what I see taking up a huge amount of stage time. But oh my God, am I excited? Like this, I think I say this every dub dub. I could be wrong, but this is the most excited I've been in a while. And I know I said that last year. You did. You did. And I was disappointed. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Just to round us off, back on to Apple. The Mac Pro, they're now selling DIY SSD upgrade kits. Aaron. Considering, so when the Mac Pro came out, one of the biggest only many complaints was um, Mm. it has a removable SSD inside of it. And everyone jumped on the conclusion of, oh, it's removable. You must be able to upgrade it. Uh, 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 Not so fast. (laughs) Um, Unlike the MacBook Pro, uh, where we've, always said it's not upgradable because it's sold to the board or I believe it's still sold to the board like it's physically impossible yeah well physically not possible for mere mortals um, and another big reason is that with the introduction of it is why I kind of briefly mentioned it with the iMac is the introduction of the T2 chip T2 chip say that 10 times fast um, the T2 chip is a security chip that Apple built designed whatever you want to call it I mean they basically run everything through I think it's like a controller the SSD and various other things it'll handle all things like encryption and stuff like that um and you know in a way so on your iphone your icloud details are like tied into your iphone um so even if you like try and restore it or reset it you still need to know the icloud details i believe the t2 chip works in a very similar way it ties kind of the hard like the hardware of the mac to the software in a way like i don't know if it i think it ties it to your icloud account i'm a bit fuzzy on those details but it's it's definitely a security chip heavily tied to the storage of the device um so when the mac pro came out and had a removable ssd we instantly thought that you could buy the base model mac pro and swap out the ssd for any old nvme or whatever whatever drive it is well that wasn't the case because of the t2 Mm. chip um i think if you wanted it replaced you had to have it upgraded by apple apple were the only ones that could do it um with your built order configuration whereas no one i don't think anyone expected this i don't think any of us saw this coming they suddenly began selling an ssd kit um which will allow you to buy more storage for your mac pro um you can get an option of up to eight terabytes of storage this will replace the machine's existing SSD. Um, so this kit is really designed for buyers who originally configured the Mac Pro with the smaller SSD option. Bearing in mind, you can go all the way down to 256, which is crazy in a machine that costs $5,000, um, rather than people who already picked the large SSD. I'm just trying to find if it's on the Apple website, if I can get a price for it. I'd be curious. No, know. you don't want to. You don't want to get a price. No, no. Uh, don't do that. <laughs> it's not a good idea. I just, I st- they're finding it anything on the Apple website used to be really easy because they used to just have a generic store and you can find mm. stuff in there now like unless it's in one of those like iPad iPhone or watch like you can't find anything <laughs> yeah there's a good reason for that they don't want you to it's kind of embarrassing that it took them that long this long to do this and I'm sorry it's a professional machine should have never been a question should have always been doable and it shouldn't be at the price they're probably charging for it but they can and they will and they will continue to it's either a seven or eight hundred dollar upcharge depending on what tier of the MacBook Pro we're talking about the, the GPU and the, the MacBook Pro at this point 
um, for, for upscaling other devices as well. I mean, seven, eight hundred dollars to simply upgrade a GPU. I, I, I just query where Apple get the money, the, the figures from. Their supplier mustn't, you would think they have the buying power. I mean, it must be that. They wouldn't want to scam their customers, would they? It must just be that they have to pay a lot of money for the parts that no one else has to. Just Apple. This is the company that sells theory, like right? a $700 set of wheels. Don't forget. Ah, oh, here we go. Found it. That's true. So eight terabytes. Oh my god! <laughs> I told you you wouldn't want to look it up. Two thousand eight hundred pounds. <laughs> uh, laughable. A one terabyte, which is the lowest you can go, is six hundred pounds. A mere six hundred pounds. I uh, bearing in mind you can buy a one terabyte NVMe SSD kit for like nowhere near that. Is this a case that Apple have have sort of said to themselves? Well, it's a professional machine. Professional clients rip them off. Yeah, problem is, I think even if this wasn't a professional machine, oh yeah, they would still do it. Yeah, I don't think this would change anything. No, it wouldn't. As shown when you try to put an SSD in an iMac on the order page on the Apple website, five six hundred pounds. I'm sorry, I will not get over that. Doesn't cost to do it. Doesn't cost to buy it. Doesn't cost to source it. Does not cost it. Full stop. Rant ends as does this episode. Next week we will. Look back at what we talked about. We'll see whether we're right, wrong, what was, what did, and what did not happen. Until then, you can find more episodes of the show on over at munchtech.tv. You can subscribe to our newsletter, munchtech.tv forward slash newsletter. If you're listening on your mobile device, munchtech.tv forward slash mobile. For the ultimate guide to podcasting, munchtech.tv forward slash ultimate podcast guide and podcastassist.com. We talked about Apple extensively throughout this show for an interview with the co-founder of Apple. Steve Wozniak, who's also a computing pioneer and engineering genius, munchtech.tv forward slash was. As I say, next week we will digress and disemit the news from WWDC 2020. Until then, have a good week. See you next time, same place. Until then, bye-bye. Bye-bye.